Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Friday, February 25th, putting a number on San Diego's homelessness crisis. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. San Diegans showed their support for Ukraine with a rally at the county administration building and a prayer service at St. John the Baptizer Ukrainian Catholic Church in Santee. Father Yuri Soss is the church's priest. People are dying over there. Every minute, every second, people dying. We need to stop this stupid aggression. Father Soss called on the Biden administration and the European Union to do more to put a stop to the Russian invasion. Also, San Diegans who have been struggling to keep up with inflation are worried that gas prices will go up again following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond says he's been getting calls every day from people struggling to pay their energy bills. This week, he sent a letter to the governor asking for the state's surplus to be used to lower energy costs. Desmond wants to temporarily cut state-mandated programs like wildfire mitigation that end up on energy bills. But let's put some of those dollars towards these SDG&E bills, these extra added costs that are added on to the, uh, that bill, so that this can help offset and give some relief to people who already start struggling from inflation. One bit of relief in the governor's budget is a proposal to delay scheduled increases to the state gas tax. San Diego County public health officials reported 870 new COVID-19 cases on Thursday and two additional deaths. The county's positivity test rate was 6.5% as of Tuesday. That's down from almost 10% from last Friday. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. You've been thinking about helping KPBS with a donation. Why not donate that extra car you no longer need? Pickup is free, and you're supporting KPBS Public Media. Here's how. Visit kpbs.careasy.org. San Diego's point-in-time count took place yesterday. It's an annual event that counts how many people are experiencing homelessness in San Diego and how many of them are living on the streets. The count is crucial as the data is used to determine how much federal and state funding the county gets to help it combat homelessness. KPBS health reporter Matt Hoffman was out with volunteers yesterday in the East County. Teams met well before the sun came up. It was a frigid 37 degrees at Spring Valley Elementary when the annual homeless count started. Brian Gruders from People Assisting the Homeless joined the count nearby. It's just nice to know where people are experiencing homelessness. Teams spread out across the county. Volunteers asked basic questions about age and how long people have been homeless. Some are also trying to connect people to help. But many services like shelters are far away in downtown San Diego. In Spring Valley, Gruder spoke with one man who said he'd be interested in shelter but doesn't want to leave his hometown. I think for someone like that, the idea of moving to downtown to live in a shelter is, I mean, you may as well ask him to move to Iowa. The count didn't happen last year because of the pandemic. In 2020, just over 7,600 people were found to be homeless, with about half of them on the streets. Matt Hoffman, KPBS News. NOAA predicts ocean levels on the West Coast will rise 8 inches by 2050 and a foot and a half by the end of the century. KPBS science and technology reporter Thomas Fudge 
has more. The report shows that in San Diego's near future, floods at high tide will be much more likely to affect infrastructure in low-lying areas, including the San Diego Airport runway. Mark Merrifield is a researcher with the Scripps Institution of Oceanography. He says if global warming continues at the current pace, ocean levels will rise a foot and a half by 2100 and be up by four feet in the middle of the next century. Then we're talking about a very different waterfront. Um, Good parts of San Diego Bay around the perimeter will be flooded. Um, The estuaries, the perimeters of those will be much broader. He says the future is not certain, but the federal report has provided coastal cities with a time frame that will help them find ways to protect vulnerable coastlines. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News. A runner's group in City Heights is warming up for the return of their annual 5K this weekend after the pandemic put it on hold last year. KPBS Speaks City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer says the club is more than just a sports team. It's also a space for positive peer pressure and a better future. The City Heights Runners Club brings together students from the middle and high schools around the area. It gives them a chance for some fun, some exercise, and some opportunities. Crawford High School senior Joseph Blue's son says the club led him to UC Santa Cruz. Um, we went to running camp and we took a tour of UC Santa Cruz and immediately like I fell in love with Santa Cruz and like the university. So that's what really made me decide. So um, in terms you can say that the running did affect me like going to college and going to Santa Cruz. And, yeah. The opportunities cost money though and the club raises part of it with an annual 5K and family fun run. It's happening this Saturday at North Choyas Community Park. You can find sign-up information on our website, kpbs.org. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, movie musicals are back, and a number of them are up for the Oscars. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. I'm Beth Accomando, KPBS arts reporter and host of the Cinema Junkie podcast. I'm also a geeky gourmet who likes to bake food themed to the movies I watch, like chocolate blood to savor with Dracula, or an extra chewy Wookiee cookie to enjoy with Star Wars. I'm geeky about the things I love, and that makes me a public radio geek as well. I love being able to connect with audiences just like you through TV, radio, the web, and podcasts like the one you're listening to right now. So, are you a KPBS geek? If so, then I'm asking you to get in touch with your inner nerd and become a member of KPBS today. Just go to kpbs.org and click the blue Give Now button and make a donation. That's right. Let's geek out together about the things we love. Move. 
movie musicals made a comeback last year with West Side Story, Tick Tick Boom, and Cyrano all being released and then being nominated for Oscars earlier this month. Cyrano opens this Friday in San Diego cinemas, while West Side Story is currently streaming on Disney+, and Tick Tick Boom is available on Netflix. KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh spoke with KPBS film critic and cinema junkie host Beth Accomando and movie Wallace Yazdi Pathavala to discuss modern musicals. Here's that interview. Now, before we talk about these recent musicals, I just want to ask you both if you like musicals and if you grew up watching them. Beth, you first. I did grow up watching a lot of musicals, and I really love the old Hollywood musicals like Singing in the Rain and An American in Paris. But as the studio system faded, I found fewer musicals that I enjoyed as they felt a little more formulated and a little less innovative. But I do appreciate the work of Bob Fosse and rock musicals like A Hard Day's Night and Jesus Christ Superstar. But I really feel like it's a tough genre because more so than any other, it really requires audiences to take a leap of faith and to buy into the fact that people are going to just break into song. I think that's even more difficult than making them buy into like the Star Wars universe or monsters or, you know, anything like that. It's an acquired taste for some people. But Yasda, you grew up in India where musicals, Bollywood, remain a cinema staple to this day. So how do you feel about musicals? Uh, I did grow up watching Indian films at least once a week. And uh, to this day, as you mentioned, Indian cinema predominantly is musicals. I mean, it's rare to find a movie which does not have a musical number in it. And also, I should say that the golden age of Hollywood musicals also had a considerable influence on Indian shores. Films like Singing in the Rain and My Fair Lady and The Sound of Music played year after year to sold-out Indian theatres in endless reruns. Film musicals are in my blood. And I should also say that for me personally, I have seldom liked a film simply because it's a musical. The fact that a film is a musical has always been only one of other things that has made a particular film great. Okay, well, let's start on our film selections for today. Cyrano opens tomorrow. It's an adaptation of a stage musical that was based on Edmund Rostand's play, Cyrano de Bergerac. In the play, the charismatic and poetic title character believes he is too ugly to win the love of the beautiful Roxanne, so he helps a handsome young man named Christian to steal her heart with his words. In the film, Cyrano is played by Peter Dinklage, so instead of a facial disfigurement, Cyrano is a dwarf. Here is the famous balcony scene where Cyrano feeds lines to Christian. I could no more stop loving you. I could no more stop loving you. Then I could stop the sun rising. Then I can stop the sun rising. Really? My cruel love has never stopped growing in my soul. From the day it was born there. From the day it was born. There. There! If your love is cruel, you should have killed it. I tried. It has the strength of Hercules. I tried! It has the strength of... Hercules. Hercules! Got anything better? Shh. Do continue. Please. So, Beth, what do you think of this musical? Well, I love Edmund Rostand's play, but I find the musical hugely disappointing in capturing the spirit of that play. And what makes it all the more infuriating for me is that I think Dinklage is actually a perfect Cyrano. But the musical leaves out the best of Rostand's play and tries to replace his wonderful poetry with trite songs. 
And then adding to this aggravation is that Dinklage delivers his lines with the panache that the character deserves, but then he's forced to sing in a decidedly kind of mediocre voice. I think director Joe Wright has a nice visual flair, but there's just too little of the actual play and the character that I grew up loving in the movie. Plus, it opens with a focus on Roxanne and an attempt to add some sort of like misplaced female empowerment to the, the film, and it just doesn't seem to fit. You know, I mean, she's kind of a shallow woman who can't see Cyrano's soul until it's too late. So I, I didn't appreciate that kind of shift in the focus. And Yazdi, what did you think of Cyrano? <laughs> I love this film. <laughs> I think the choice by <laughs> the choice by Joe Wright to convert the stage play to a musical didn't irk me as much as Beth, uh, primarily because there are wide swings in melodrama to the story at every point. And I think the musicality complements that. And also, I believe the musical numbers are pretty well choreographed with a lot of flair. There are other reasons why I also admire this iteration of Cyrano. The original Cyrano is a lovelorn man with a large nose who thinks himself unworthy of the love of this beautiful woman. But the decision to cast Peter Dinklage here as Cyrano, and Peter Dinklage is a small person, that decision heightens the stakes so much more because he truly now has a reason to doubt that this woman is out of his reach. Socially, economically, they cannot even physically see eye to eye. And also the fact that Dinklage doesn't have the strongest singing voice, I think works to the film's benefit because it is one more thing at which he cannot measure up to the woman he loves. So I think few filmmakers are able to do Swoon as well as Joe Wright, and he's made movies like Atonement and Pride and Prejudice, and I think this one is no exception. So a big disagreement on Cyrano. Let's move on now <laughs> to one of the most anticipated musical remakes in recent years, Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. This is a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet played out with New York street gangs instead of rival families. Rita Moreno, Anita, in the 1961 film, plays a new character in Spielberg's film, and here's a scene. Tony. I don't tell you who to hang out with, but... But those boys are juvenile delinquent. They're no good for you, and you better wash out. Hey, you make fun of the way I talk one more time, Blondie. I'm gonna talk to Riff and tell him he can't just come in here and not pay. Tony, wake up. I know you love Riff, but he hates Puerto Ricans. That is not you. Riff, don't hate you. I married a gringo. He thinks that makes me a gringa, which it don't, and I ain't. Yazdi, did Spielberg succeed in this remake? Listen, like many, I wanted to hate this film. Some properties are just too hallowed and should be left alone. Don't try a remake of Gone with the Wind. Don't do a reimagination of Citizen Kane. And in the same way, don't do an updated version of the West Side Story. So as much as I went into this film with a frump on my face, Spielberg and Tony Kushner slowly but surely won me over. There are many things that I grew to admire about this film. This version corrects many of the wrongs from the original, but it makes the original story about warring gangs in New York City relevant to the current reckoning we are seeing as a nation in relation to racial divide and police brutality and so forth. But I think of all the reasons that I like this movie, the one that I like most the, is the sense of direct yearning that manifests between the two leads. 
They barely meet the first time and suddenly nothing else seems to matter to them. The film takes this most cliched of romantic motifs and renders it achingly, gloriously believable. This Maria and this Tony don't have a choice. They are overcome by a yearning for each other that is as colossal and inevitable as planets in the sky. This takes it back to the absolute origin of the story, which is Romeo and Juliet. And I think this is very hard to convey on screen. And Spielberg's choice to make this female lead, the Maria in this version, very assertive in making all the first moves is such a wonderful update. So I, I really grew to love this role. Beth, did you develop a yearning for this musical? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm going to sound like such a grump compared to Yazdi. I'll start with the good things about this film. So Ariana DeBose is fantastic as Anita. The opening shots of the rumble were breathtaking. The fact that the actors were not forced to darken their skin and that people of color got to play people of color, all those things were great. The bad things for me, however, is a far longer list. But at the top of that is Spielberg directing, and the leads are exceptionally bland to me. Spielberg gives the film occasional moments, but nothing to convince me that he knows that much about musicals or New York City. So that's a no. <laughs> that's a no. <laughs> okay. From the curmudgeon in the corner. <laughs> Another musical set in New York City is Tick, Tick, Boom. It's based on Jonathan Larson's autobiographical play about trying to produce his first stage musical. It's directed by Hamilton's Lin-Manuel Miranda and stars Andrew Garfield. And here's a clip. Superbia, a satire set in the future on a poisoned planet Earth where the vast majority of humanity spend their entire lives just staring at the screens of their media transmitters, watching the tiny elite of the rich and powerful who filmed their own fabulous lives like TV shows. A world where human emotion has been outlawed. This will be the first musical written for the MTV generation. This is my is this supposed to be aliens? I wasn't sure if it was all like aliens. Nope, not aliens. Um, but it is set in the future. Beth, I'm almost afraid to ask. <laughs> will this musical get your third thumbs down? Actually, no. Ironically, I thought Lin-Manuel Miranda, who comes from theater, did a much better job of creating a vibrant modern movie musical with Tick, Tick, Boom than Spielberg did with West Side Story. Uh, in this and last year's In the Heights, both of which he directed, he displayed a genuinely innovative sense of filming musical numbers, and he made them feel wonderfully cinematic in terms of production design, shot choices, and editing. So I really love the way this one integrated the music into the story. And Andrew Garfield's character did feel a little bit like a Glee character on steroids and sometimes got annoying. But all in all, I enjoyed this film and the music was strong, unlike in Serano. Yazdi, will you and Beth finally agree on one film? <laughs> Alas, this is not going to be that day. <laughs> but jokes aside, I, I don't love or hate this film. I think it is very heartfelt and earnest. And my issue with Tick, Tick, Boom is one of scope. It is about the dreams of one person. And that is usually enough. But somehow I wish this film was about more. It doesn't carry the large, epic scale splendor of uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's other musical that was released earlier this year, which is In the Heights. And that musical 
had so much ingenuity, so much raw energy and creativity in terms of how each of the musical numbers were picturized. And I think pure, purely because that particular musical had such a large scope uh, that that other musical uh, impressed me far more. Well, now I want to see all of them because I want to see which one of you is right. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to thank you both. And that was KPBS's Beth Accomando and MovieWalla's Yazdi Pathavala. Both were speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. You can find a list of Beth and Yazdi's top 10 musicals at kpbs.org slash cinemajunkie. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. This podcast is produced and edited by KPBS senior radio producer Brooke Ruth and me, Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful weekend.